do. What happens to you if, if you don't do this? Can you well, tell it's me? the end of the universe. It's the end of time and oh, wow. space continuum. So it's, you're facing it's all your, over. You're facing your own mortality and the mortality of all existence. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> what do you think happens when we die, Keanu Reeves? <laughs> I know that the ones who love us will miss us. This is Erica Henry, and you're listening to the Holy District Podcast. In this third and final installment of my interview with my sister Emily about eternal oblivion, we talk about the Bible, her experience of church, and her inability to experience the Christian religion as the opiate of the masses, even as she's grappling with this really, really challenging fear of non-existence. I'll share a little bit from my perspective about the person of Jesus and how he changes the way that I see and interpret the Bible. And at the end, we will have an opportunity to meditate on the concept of the cosmic Christ. Maybe it's a way of understanding Jesus that you haven't experienced. I think it might be a key component of constructing a faith, especially a Christian faith, if that's what you're interested in, that's spacious enough to handle these kinds of questions that we're engaging in. I hope you enjoy. I think, um, you know, and something I say to so many people is, you know, I, I could have those relationships with people if, if Christians were more, I believe, like you. I know you're my sister, but I mean, I'm not being biased here. <laughs> I, we, I live in a place where I don't feel like it's safe for people like me to free think. Mm. Safe, I mean, I'm physically safe. Um, but to be vulnerable and to be who I am, like authentically, I don't think so. I, it's just, it's still, it's still very Southern to me, the culture that I live in. And many of my beliefs just across the board are not the common where I live. So that's a lot of the reason why I watch so many documentaries and things and why I do talk with you. And I have a lot of friends, um, like my, my deeper connections with people, they do live, um, in cities and in different parts of the country. And I do feel like they have the same, at least they feel the same way in some aspects. Um, or at least understand or encourage a conversation with me. I maybe it's more difficult because I feel like I'm the only one here. Mm. You know. And I don't want to just go and talk to people and, and I feel and give them a phobia. Sure. <laughs> like, sure. hey, we're all gonna die and I'm freaking out about it. And like, why aren't you freaking out about it? I don't want to do that. Um and and yeah, like, I guess I just really, I was way too giving with my vulnerability when I was younger. And maybe I wasn't too, but I feel like I was. And I, so much, 
I feel like I lost so much of that innocence with how I was treated. And I'm very much someone that um, once I see the behavior, I just kind of I adapt to that. And I'm not going to do it again. You know, so t- five years, ten years of that, I'm, I don't want to just sit on a couch with someone who I don't really know and tell them this and them say, well, read like Matthew 2, whatever. Um, that still feels very bland and very like no connection. Mm. No, like what I crave in, um, in guidance and in like spirituality, you know, when something that's always fascinated me with my experience versus your experience, for me, it's, I've just been taught that it's so black and white. And so, I mean, there's been many times, which I've just never really gotten to because we've never, we haven't lived by each other for so long and we just have, you know, busy lives is I don't know how you could believe what you believe and be who you are with this religion. And Christian, yeah, to be a Christian. I think, you know, I've asked you several times about, how, well, do you believe in heaven? Do you believe in hell? Do you think it's okay to drink, curse, are gay people okay? Like, and I know, I'm guessing that is such, those are all questions you get, right? Sure. As a pastor, when you sit down with people and things. But, I mean, I had like eight Bibles. I had, you know, the every type deconstructed, you know, um, archaeological. Um, chronological. Chronological, yes. thank you. I was about to say something about genealogy. That doesn't make <laughs> sense. Chronological, all those things. I really did read it. And I didn't see the forgiveness in it, um, except for with Jesus. Um, I didn't see. I kept when I look now at the Bible, I see a lot of me and who got in trouble. Mm. You know, yeah, there were outcasts in the second part. Mm. In the first part, a lot of things that God's people did, in my opinion, were evil. So it's, I mean. David okay um there's just so many stories where it's like as long as you were on his side everything was fine well what about the people that weren't and they weren't just I hate God they were just existing poor dudes like they're just like well my family died I don't you know I don't know I don't know what's going on here like when you really you know, put that human characteristic to every single aspect of the people in the Bible, it's hard for me to say, well, if you believe it, it's it's pretty, at least the first half, it's pretty concrete. Hmm. Okay, so let's take a moment to just stay with this frustration that Emily is so kind and courageous to share with us about her understanding of the Bible and how incompatible the scriptures that are at the center of um, the Christian faith and, and that are our holy texts, how they feel so incompatible with a humanizing and empathetic worldview. 
How do you look at a Bible that has so much uh, oppression and death and instances of genocide and a God that, you know, in the first book of the Bible wipes out all of existence except for one family and some animals? How do you how do you hold on to that and say, yes, this is a good God, this is a good book, and um, something I'm going to model my life after? That's a really good question. And I am even thinking about something that she said a bit earlier before we even began addressing the topic of the Bible and how someone can read the Bible and come away looking like Jesus uh, and, and being compelled by that. She said something about how she felt that perhaps she was too vulnerable uh, when she was younger, that she was too vulnerable with herself and, and she was reflecting on some of the, the pain that, that uh, she experienced as, as a loss of innocence. And I guess I just wanted to offer up on this podcast in response to that. I just want to say that I, I too, have walked through a deep sense of betrayal and pain and anger when I reflect back on my childhood and I reflect back on the paradigm I was given with which to understand not only the Bible, but to understand myself and Jesus and God and how God thought about me. As I stayed on the journey with Jesus and I learned a different way to think about God and to think about the Bible, um, I found myself becoming very angry that as an innocent child who did not even have the cognitive ability to ask the kinds of questions that would be necessary to develop a healthy perspective in the midst of the paradigm that I was given, that I was just handed this view of God that um, isolated me from, from God and from community and created a deep anxiety in me um, that made me feel fearful of God, even while I knew that I was supposed to love God and that he saved me and I was indebted to God. So much conflict that the paradigm that I was handed gave me and overlay that on an, uh, an, an entirely confusing set of scriptures that I was supposed to read and understand and obey somehow. All that to say, it was a deeply imperfect paradigm that introduced me to Jesus. And at this stage of my journey, I'm both grieved by that and grateful for it. I'll just say very quickly in response to something that Emily was kind of asking, maybe rhetorically, like how how can you read this Bible and come away following Jesus? And and she even said like, yeah, the Jesus part is is good, but at least the first half is is pretty rough, and it seems pretty black and white. And I just want to share with you uh, a, a small nugget on that. I think Emily answered her own question even as she was musing. For me, the answer to that is that Jesus is the way that I'm read the Bible. In um, Luke, Luke chapter 24, after Jesus has been crucified and uh, resurrected, he appears to some disciples who are on the road to Emmaus. And these disciples were 
really upset. They were discussing the events that had happened in Jerusalem. And as they were doing so, Jesus himself comes and begins walking along with them (laughs) in the journey. What a beautiful image. They are disoriented. They don't understand how things can be the way that they are. They had expectations that had now been dashed, and they're walking away from the person they thought would fix everything. Um, Totally, totally disoriented. And it's at this point that Jesus kind of, you know, asked them some questions. They said, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened? And he says, what things? And they talk about Jesus of Nazareth and how he was a powerful prophet and how the the religious authorities handed him over to the Roman government to be crucified and how they had all these hopes of what he was going to do for Israel. Um, And then this weird thing happened that some of the women amongst them went to the tomb, but his body was gone. And they were just so confused. And Jesus, who to them right now just seems like a stranger on the road, says, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, I'll stop there, but I love that story, and I would encourage you, if you want to check it out, it's Luke chapter 24, 13 through 35. I just want to say that we have in our scriptures this this story that I think illustrates the journey that a lot of us have begun or want to begin or have been on, that Jesus will come alongside us and help us to understand all of the scriptures, that they actually, in some way, are all pointing to or concerning what Jesus, the chosen one, the anointed one, who was God made flesh, what his purpose was, how he was going to inaugurate the kingdom of God, how he was going to reconcile all the world to himself, how that was all going to happen. For some reason, Jesus believes that this is actually what the entire Old Testament or Hebrew Bible was always about. Jesus's way of interpreting the scripture, Jesus's hermeneutic, is not the hermeneutic that I was taught whenever I was a child. And so that meant that I had a lot of unlearning to do, and it's taken years, and now I'm in the stage of learning and still bumping into things that I need to let go of. But I will say that that's the simplest answer I can give at this moment in time, but this is a discussion that warrants a lot more time and energy and space. And I'll say more about that when we jump back into the conversation. Here we go. I'm, I'm uh, sensing a, a second podcast series oh, no. that needs to come into, uh, <laughs> come into existence for, for what you're talking about now. But, right. but I understand because to kind of bring us to back to that conversation that we're having on this idea of existential dread, you said to me, like, I would like to be able to just simply believe right. that Christianity, the story Christianity tells is true. And at the end of all this, there's something more and that, right. and, but you have all of this lived experience that is saying, mm, it's, it's not that simple. And 
you can't, you as a person of integrity and an empathic person, you can't just switch that off in your brain to say, I don't care if it doesn't make sense to me. I need to believe this to be able to go to sleep tonight. Yes. You you haven't been able to do that. You're not willing to do that. Exactly. And the other shift is I can't just go back to being an eight-year-old little girl that just thinks like I remember seeing, you know, Jesus or on that building and we would be like, look, there's dad. Do you remember that? <laughs> like just having this innocence to us of believing in, in this and thinking like, well, even if I did and I got to go somewhere, I've been told that what I do sends me somewhere else. Mm. I mean, even, you know, just literally having some questions, mm. there's, there's blasphemy, there's different things. There's, there's different elements of the like sin that I'm just actively engaging in that I don't think are sinful. Mm. So that's hard to say, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to church and what I'm just going to block out Mm. that I'm not married. You know, my daughter was not born from a marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, I do question God. Um, It's not like I want to, but I do. I have questions, and I would think that he would want to answer them. I would hope. I would hope. So I can't sit in church and be like, enjoy. I I do enjoy the worship music, but as I walk out of there, I feel fake. Mm. Because I can't just block out those. The reality of what's going on mentally and spiritually for you. Right. I can't just say, well, I'm going to cherry pick. And so I'm going to cherry pick and say that, God likes me and I've done an okay job. And when I get married, I get married and he'll honor that. And, um, you're going to go to heaven Mm. and heaven exists. Right. You don't, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So even trying to kind of like give myself a pacifier, it feels like going to church while having this existential dread, I feel like a baby. Sure. Doing whatever I can do to pacify my fear. Mm. So it's hard for me to rationalize, like I've said to you, rationally, logically, it doesn't seem that there is something, in my opinion. And that's what's scaring me. Because we're not the only things on this planet. We're not the only, you know, like my dog, I believe he's got a little soul in there. Mm. You know, do they all go with us? Mm. Where's that at? How how do they all fit wherever we're going? (laughs) You know, sure. And, and when I fell down my first kind of like, um, hole, I got on Reddit and I hate Reddit. I do not like Reddit. I don't like forums because people are almost way too honest on there. And, you know, I don't know. I don't like Reddit, but I Googled, um, not the fear of non-existing before I really had a good word for it. And this person just laid it out there. Like, who are you to think that? You just get to, like, go somewhere. There's all these other creatures on the planet. There's all these different things, plants, all these things that live and breathe. But, no, you're special because you have, like, control of the earth, you know? Mm. And I'm like... Well, when you put it like that... Yeah, and then I had to sit there and, like, turn my phone off. Mm. (laughs) And try not... I mean, really, try not to have a panic attack about what he said because it made sense to me. Mm. So... As you know, I'm not, we're not recording this podcast because I have any feelings like I'm going to solve a problem for you or 
close a can of worms. I'm not, I'm, and I'm, you know, I don't think you expect that or would even want that. What I am, what I think you have to offer to our listeners is the honesty that you have shared and the perspective that you have, which is unique to you, but also I think will resonate with so many people. So I want to give you an opportunity to have a moment with our listeners. Okay. What would you, what do you wish someone would say to you that could bring something, some comfort or maybe just a sense of being understood or what, what, what would you like to offer to those people who are listening right now that maybe are in the same boat that you're in? I would first and foremost offer that they talk about it. Mm. It, do, it does not do well to just let that be festering all the time. But, I mean, honestly, when you say comfort, the kind of comfort that I want is, I guess, validation. You know, I would love to know if there are people out there that experience this. I know that there are. Um, but also, I mean, I found comfort in listening to people's stories about people passing, mm. um, um, hearing how the person, how they talked about things before, if they were believing that they were visiting with someone right before they passed away and things like that. So I don't know. I, because the comfort measures that I need are still based in faith and what I interpret to be true. So it's, it's, a, it's a little tricky to really know um, how I'm going to get <laughs> those answers or, or, you know, get the comfort that I need. Maybe someone that's dealt with this, how did they overcome it or learn how to deal with it? Mm. You know, was there some kind of epiphany mm. or, you know, what did, did they get involved in a religion? Did they end up opening up to somebody and God revealed himself or some, you know, whatever their belief system is that something was revealed to them? Mm. Maybe that, I mean... Honestly, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm like, I'm a sponge. Mm. So I, I love any kind of conversation about these types of things. Not love, but <laughs> someone that has the understanding that of, of um, going through things similar to this. Sure. Sure. Is there anything that you would hope to be able to share that we haven't touched on up to this point? I will say, you know, something that I didn't bring up um I didn't have a lot of grace with myself about this uh, I'm not very kind to like inner me and I do know that a lot of this does come on by situational things um but I do struggle with some like mental disorders and we are living in a time that at least for our generations and the ones older than us um, we didn't expect to experience. So there's going to be some weird things that come out of this and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I have found some encouragement in that as of late of like, Hey, we're living through 
a dark time, but a weird time. There's so many things changing politically, medically, Mm -hmm. you know, um, socially, like just societally, we're going through a lot, um, in the world. It's not just here, you know, it's not just me. So, you know, recently I've just had a lot of reflection about, um, of course I would have some sense of identity crisis when I, I didn't have what I thought was a purpose and I didn't, I didn't get to be who I thought I was supposed to be when I was, when I grew up in a world where you work nine to five and you make money and you buy a house and you own, you know, you buy a car and you get married and you have the white picket fence. And while I don't have a lot of those things, I'm like, you you know, who am I? And Mm -hmm. you fall down this hole and then you're seeing people you love pass and you're seeing your, you know, friends and family grieve. It is a real thing that I, to, you know, it's not like, it's not something that I just fell into and went down some conspiracy theorist hole. Sure. There, there is a lot of, you can make a connection that, you know, at, at 30, we're going through, I'm going through a lot. So I just, I say, I mean all that to say, like, I encourage people to look at their situations, um, even look at their mental health. And if they need to talk, talk to a counselor or they do need medicine to get through a hard time, um, that's okay. Be gracious to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Just be, just be easy with yourself. It's, it's good to, um, you know, have that reflection and check yourself when you need to, but I've kind of made myself feel like I'm crazy Mm. for this topic and we all deal with it. It's just, I don't want to say it's harder for me than most, but it's something that I kind of just got stuck on. Mm-hmm. Well, um, thank you so much for sharing your story because I think it is a gift to me. It's a gift to everyone who's listening. And this is something that every human being contends with at one time or another or throughout their whole lives. And it's something that is worth talking about. It's something that I think needs to be, there needs to be enough space to tell the truth about how we're feeling and what we're thinking and what we're afraid of. And that's what you've modeled for us today on the podcast. And so just thank you for doing that. Cause that took courage and I love being your sister and I think you're amazing. <laughs> and I, yeah, I love you so much. Same Z's. <laughs> <laughs> So now that you've had the opportunity to hear this whole conversation, I wanted to not wrap everything up in a neat little bow, but I did want to give us an opportunity to integrate the passages that we had been meditating on in the past two episodes with this idea of the cosmic Christ. You see, I wanted to share good amount of the book of Ecclesiastes, especially those first few chapters with you, because I thought it was important to highlight the fact that the kinds of things that Emily is wrestling with and the kinds of things that you might be wrestling with are not unique. They're not silly. It's not wrong to think about. In fact, when the author of the book of Ecclesiastes put this text together for us, He used this character of the Kohelet as an example of 
a wise person, not only a wise person, but likely meant for us to understand the Kohelet as Solomon, the wisest person to have ever lived up to this point. It's wisdom that causes us to see the absurdity of life under the sun. It's wisdom that causes us to see that there are limits to our understanding. That when we really think about the reality of time and death, it should cause us to reflect on really significant things like purpose and meaning and justice. Where do all of these things find their resolve? Where do all of these things find their center? In Ecclesiastes, the author does provide a conclusion. In chapter 12, verses 9 through 14, the author says this, Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Now, I think I might know what you're thinking. If you're like my sister, that's not a very satisfying answer. Fear God. Read Matthew chapter 2 or whatever. I get it. I get it. That's why I want to actually end by sharing some passages with you about this idea that I alluded to at the very beginning, about Jesus as the cosmic Christ. This is an idea that is early, early, early in the Christian faith. It's this idea about Jesus. We see the second person of the Trinity, the Son, fully God, fully human. That Jesus is the human representation of God, but that the Son has always been in existence. And that the Son, this cosmic Christ, is the one through whom all things have been created. This eternal love and care for all of creation, not just humankind, but for all of creation, comes from and is sustained by the Son. And that one is the one who is incarnate and made flesh to reveal who this God is that we're supposed to be fearing or respecting. So I'm going to read a passage from John chapter 1, a passage from Colossians chapter 1, and a passage from Ephesians chapter 1. Give you an opportunity to hear about this cosmic Christ and decide if maybe this one 
provide some kind of meaning when we consider the absurdities that we've been considering. I'm going to be reading from the message. John chapter 1. The Word was first, the Word present to God, God present to the Word. The Word was God, in readiness for God from day one. Everything was created through Him. Nothing, not one thing, came into being without Him. What came into existence was life, and the life was light to live by. The life light blazed out of the darkness, and the darkness couldn't put it out. There once was a man, his name John, sent by God to point out the way to the life light. He came to show everyone where to look, who to believe in. John was not himself the light. He was there to show the way to the light. The life light was the real thing. Every person entering life he brings into light. He was in the world. The world was there through him. And yet the world didn't even notice He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, who believed he was who he claimed, and would do what he said, he made to be their true selves, their child of God's selves. These are the God-begotten, not blood-begotten, not flesh-begotten, not sex-begotten. The Word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. John pointed him out and called, This is the one, the one I told you was coming after me, but in fact was ahead of me. He has always been ahead of me, has always had the first word. We all live off his generous abundance, gift after gift after gift. We got the basics from Moses, and then this exuberant giving and receiving. This endless knowing and understanding, all this came through Jesus, the Messiah. No one has ever seen God, not so much as a glimpse. This one-of-a-kind God expression, who exists at the very heart of the Father, has made him plain as day. Colossians 1, 9-23 Be assured that from the first day we heard of you, we haven't stopped praying for you, asking God to give you wise minds and spirits attuned to his will, and so acquire a thorough understanding of the ways in which God works. We pray that you will live well for the Master, making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. As you learn more and more how God works, you will learn how to do your work. We pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul, not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength God gives. It is strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy, thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. God rescued us from dead-end alleys and dark dungeons He's set up in the kingdom of the Son he loves so much, the Son who got us out of the pit we were in, got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. We look at the Son and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at the Son and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything 
absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organized and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so expansive, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured down from the cross. You yourselves are a case study of what he does. At one time, you all had your backs turned to God, thinking rebellious thoughts of him, giving him trouble every chance you got. But now, by giving himself completely at the cross, actually dying for you, Christ brought you over to God's side and put your lives together whole and holy in his presence. You don't walk away from a gift like that. You stay grounded and steady in that bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message, careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message, just this one. Every creature under heaven gets this same message. I, Paul, am a messenger of this message. And finally, Ephesians 1, 7 through 23. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in Him. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose He is working out in everything and everyone. It's in Christ that you— once you heard the truth and believed it, this message of your salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This down payment from God is the first installment on what's coming, a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. That's why, when I heard of this solid trust you have in the Master Jesus, and your outpouring of love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks. But I do more than thank. I ask. Ask that God of our Master Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear, so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him endless energy, 
boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule, and not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all, has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body, in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. So this is where I leave you with this episode wrapped up with our interview and with these three passages to perhaps revisit and meditate on and reflect on as we move toward the final installments in the series, which will be an opportunity for question and response. So if you have a question and you haven't submitted it yet, please send it to me in an email, erica at holydistrict.org. That's E-R-I-C-K-A at holydistrict.org. Or find us on social media, Instagram or Facebook at Rediscover Sacred. You can share a question there. Or you can jump on our website, holydistrict.org, and find the contact form and send one in that way. While you're there, reach out if you'd like to schedule a spiritual direction session with me or one of the other Holy District pastors, or find out how to show up at one of our community gatherings. I am so glad you have been tracking with us on this. I hope that this conversation and these scripture passages have made you think and given you an opportunity to reflect in ways that maybe you hadn't given yourself permission to, to this point. Look forward to talking more next week and to having you back listening. All right, we'll see you next time. District is a growing network of people in the United States who are finding creative ways to live integrated, Jesus-centered lives in their communities, with their communities, and for their communities. We're dedicated to rediscovering the sacred in the everyday spaces where we already live, work, and play, and we're so glad you're on this journey with us. Talk to you next time.